Um, so today, um, with it being Father's Day, I thought we would talk about, um, I suppose, in essence, we talk about our view of God. Um, but, but thinking, I suppose this crops up because when we get to Father's Day um, and we celebrate that, we often default into thinking, especially in church circles, we default into thinking about God the Father. Um, and we think actually celebrating Father's is really important because God is um, so good. Um, let's remember how great he is. Um, but as I said at the start, the challenge of that, especially nowadays, we can't just assume that everyone's view in their head is that when, they th- when the word father is mentioned, that it's purely positive and, and great. I remember doing, um, when I was leading Alpha, um, I, I became really aware that the dynamic and the diverse range of people that sit in front of you, all interested in, in working out what they think about God and whether it's something that they can relate to, um, you can't just throw out this line of, oh, yeah, because God's, God's, uh, God's our father. Because for some people, they look at it and go, I hate my dad. Or my dad did this and, uh, and he makes me feel like that. And I've never, I've never um, had that kind of relationship with him. So to just throw out this, this explanation of who is God, to just throw in there for, for anyone, oh, God's our father. For some people, they don't like the concept of a father because they've been bruised and, and hurt and damaged by that. And obviously, there's the flip side of that. When you've had a good relationship with your dad um, and you've had a positive experience of what a father is, then that can enhance that connection with God. Because when someone says, oh, God's our father, it becomes something that that kind of almost is warmth inside of you and, and reminds you of, oh, if, if he can be like my dad was, then that could really enhance my life. So I wanted us to, to, I suppose, take a step back from, rather than just throwing out this phrase that God's our father, um, I wanted us to be able to, to take a step back and say, actually, each of us will view God in a slightly different way. And some of that is, um, is impacted by our own experience of of fatherhood or our, our own, uh, the way we've been parented and, and fathered in our lives. But, but sometimes we form a picture of God due to what we've been told over the years. And, and, and for me, um, when I ask that question, how do you view God? Um, the decision you make and, and what box you put God into will determine on the kind of role that he's got, will determine the kind of role he's got to play in your life. And I've kind of made up five examples of how we might view God um, just for us to be able to think, actually, which which bracket do I fit into? Is it do I fit into multiple ones or is that how I actually um, think about him? And it may be that it's even something you've not given that much time to, that you've just grown into this stuff or you've been born into a, an understanding of God is there. He's he's uh, he's God. Um, and to label how we view him and what we think of him and how we, uh, like, how we think we need to relate to him is maybe something we've not even thought about. So the first, um, the first kind of explanation I've, I've, I've put for how people might view God is the detached president. So if you imagine that there's the, the, the role of a president is not necessarily someone that people feel they have a great amount of personal connection with or an opportunity to relate to on an individual one-to-one basis. And, and there's an element with a president 
where you would feel like they are slightly untouchable, that you can't get to them. Um, and I think sometimes when we think honestly about how we sometimes view God and relate to him, it, we can easily fall into that bracket that, that we feel like God is someone who is in charge and is calling the shots and is making decisions all the time. But there's an element where there's a distance between us and him and um, they're to be kind of respected and revered um, because they're in this position of power and authority. Um, and sometimes we can, we can feel like we, we support and um, sometimes we celebrate and champion the president, um, but it's not necessarily something where we have a connection ourselves with that. And I think it's easy to sometimes view God in those kind of ways um, because so many of the elements fit. Um, he's making all. He's making the decisions. He's calling the shots. He's he's advising people. He's he's making decisions on behalf of all of us. And he's he's got our best interests at heart. Is the kind of I'm not necessarily thinking about the current president of America <laughs> when I'm using the term president, but but that kind of role, um, someone in authority over us. So that's the first one, the detached president. Um, so there's that distance. Um, then the second one is sometimes we fall into the trap and maybe we jump between lots of different um, ways that we view God. Sometimes we fall into the trap of, uh, of deciding that God is the great wish granter, that when we pray to God, we give him our requests and we give him our, uh, our list of things that we really need. And if he loved us, he would do these kind of things. And, and we sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that unless God does X, Y and Z, we're not really sure he is who we thought he was. Um, and that in order for that relationship to grow and flourish, he needs to grant our wishes or we're just going to end up feeling a bit lost in this thing. Who are you, God? I thought you loved me and I thought you'd do the things that I wanted you to do. Um, and, and the difficulty is... There's, there's elements where we're told to go and ask God for those things. We're encouraged to have a relationship where we will um, request things from him. But the challenge in any kind of relationship where we believe someone is the great wish granter is if they don't do what we say, how do we respond to that kind of thing? And, and is he even worth following if he's not even going to do what I really think I need in my life? Um, and that's, that's probably, when I, when I look at how people often pray and, and talk to other people about God, sometimes people throw out phrases like, hey, just pray about it, God will sort it out for you. Um, and sometimes that's, that's the case, and it's brilliant. And I'm like, oh, let's celebrate that, it's brilliant. But sometimes, sometimes we throw those things out, and, or people throw those things out, and then you just watch this weird time where nothing seems to be going the way anyone's asking it to go how do we cope with that and when we've reduced God down to being the great wish granter we're limiting so much of that relationship but it just feels like especially when we're trying to attract people into a relationship with God the idea that God cares and that he's interested and he wants to help you and wants your life to go well if we can say well this is the great thing you just pray to God and he'll do what you want that's a challenge because it's not always the case. And when we reduce them down to just that, it's not doing God justice either. So we've got the detached president, the great wish granter. The third one is the disappointed headmaster. 
And so we're looking back into kind of the authority role again, where uh, there's someone who's clearly in charge, who's the head, who, who everyone looks to. And there's an element where it doesn't matter what you do, um, these all are going to be a bit disappointed that you didn't do better. Uh, now, I've never had a bad experience of headmasters, but, but I would say my, most of my relationships with headmasters <coughs> in the past um, have always been that slight fear of whatever you do, don't do anything where the headmaster notices you uh, and kind of needs to talk to you because then you're in trouble. And, and the idea that you'd be asked to go to the headmaster's office, in my, I, know, I know education's changed now, but in my day, going to the headmaster's office was never, ever a good thing. <laughs> it was always that something had gone wrong and you needed to be talked to. Uh, I know it's different now, they've changed it, so that's like a reward thing. Um, but back in the day, it was like, if you, if you need to be seen by the headmaster, then, then he's a busy guy. And if he has to stop what he's doing in order to deal with you, then he's, gonna be, he's not going to be happy. Uh, and for me then, that, that role of God's busy, God's trying to run this entire thing, um, and um, he's given us clear guidelines of what you should do. There's rules, there's regulations, there's stuff that you should do. Um, the idea then that he's watching all of us and then is grading our performance and then is at times um, fairly encouraged or pleased but other times slightly disappointed in the fact that we didn't do better or we didn't get the results that we wanted or the outcomes weren't what he had hoped they would be. It's really easy to fall into that trap because... Sometimes we, we get caught up in thinking that if I'm not doing well in life, then God's not going to be very happy with me. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know where these ideas get formed, but as we looked, when we looked at identity, so many things in our lives will shape the way we view ourselves and the way we view God, depending on what, what happens um, and what other people tell us. All these kind of things contribute to this picture that's built of who God might actually be. So we've got detached president, the great wish granter, the disappointed headmaster. Um, the, the fourth one is the austere general. So it might end up feeling like it's all a little bit of a military operation, like God has, has got this plan and this direction that everything needs to go in, and it's a highly strategic, tactical thing that you're a part of. And when you choose to connect with God, you've now got a role to play. And as, as part of that role, then you've got to keep in line with the plan, with everything that's been decided, with everything that's, that's, that's required of, of you being on the team. Um, and the idea that, that the general of the army is has got this really tough job of trying to keep all of the troops in line, uh, in uniform, in action, um, doing their tasks in order for the great goal to be achieved... It can feel like that at times, like we've got this slight fear again of, of um, I need to make sure I do what the general says because uh, we're all part of a big plan that needs to be fulfilled and, and this is a battle and we need to win the battle and, and all of these kind of things. We, we can get caught up in that view and once again we, we kind of miss this whole part of God that, um, that is there to, I suppose, help us to feel completely different about it. And then the, the, the fifth one 
There's massive flaws in all of these, by the way, so I'm not saying, let's settle on one and we all agree together that this is how it's going to work. I'm just trying to see if there's anything that resonates with us as we go through these different lists. And it might just be there's one element of it. I feel a bit like that at times. Um, The fifth one, uh, the final one, is the pushover parent. So not a parent who pushes children over. Um, (laughs) That's a different one. Um, But the parent who is a complete pushover. And I don't know whether this is more of a modern view of God, that actually God is just so interested in your happiness that, that he'll just, he just wants you to do anything that you want to do in order to be happy, and that's all he's interested in. Um, and he's just so chilled out that really it doesn't matter. You could just do whatever you want, whenever. And he's just not faced, he's not bothered, he's not... He, it's fine, because... Forgiveness is there, so you just carry on doing whatever you want and and nothing matters anymore because he just loves you and that's it. Um, that is open to so much manipulation. Uh, and this is part of the problem, that, that when we box God into a certain identity and say, that's who he is to me, there's positives. Somehow there's positives in all of these things. There's an element, it's probably a small element of God in each thing. But when we take it in its entirety, in, in, in its kind of isolation and say, well, that's who he is and that's how I'm going to relate to him. Then, especially with that one, you can see that actually we can end up getting so comfortable just being the centre of the universe and basically the king of our own lives. That the idea that we'd ever kind of sacrifice anything and ever, ever, it would ever cost us anything just doesn't exist because God is almost like this. Um, this deity that exists just for my personal pleasure. Um, And that's not fair either, because we're getting the whole thing flipped around and confused and and in the wrong order, that that really God is um, this um, this amazing deity that we should love, adore and want to serve and want to put his plans above our plans which doesn't fit in with this idea that God's a bit of a pushover. And basically, if you just ask him, he'll just do what you want. Um, and it doesn't really matter if you, if you ever do anything, he'll just go, ah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. As a parent, you begin to understand, when you talk about God as a father, and then you think about practically, parent, like practically um, parenting your own children, it transforms your view of what it, it could look like. Because... If you, if you were to do any of these, these characteristics, these traits with your own children, it ends up being, uh, you, you would end up having an absolute nightmare if you just went wholeheartedly down one of these paths. So this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to be the detached president or I'm going to be the pushover parent. Whatever you decide to be, if that's solely who you're going to be, then you will quite quickly see how this kind of unravels into a little bit of a mess. Because that's, those things don't work in isolation. So, and in a way, when, when we think honestly about how does this work in my head, who do I believe God to be, sometimes it becomes understanding um, the importance of this balance between uh, two, two emotions, really, fear and love. We talked in that song, didn't we, The Lion and the Lamb. The, the, the animals are on kind of polar opposites of the spectrum. Uh, and when we talk about God, we talk about him being both. Uh, and to me, it's about understanding the importance of balance between fear 
and love. Now, fear is not something that we often go, oh, yeah, that's a really positive, great thing to have. There are some positive things about fear because fear teaches us about boundaries. It teaches us um, about danger. It, it, we can learn from, from having an element of fear in our lives. If you remove all fear, we, we miss out on an understanding of, of danger and, and the importance of doing certain things in order to avoid um, getting caught up in difficult situations. And I think with, with God, I've encountered people over the years, especially when I was at Youth for Christ, I used to have year out volunteers. And every now and then I get someone who come in who's, who's, who was kind of learning how to kind of be an adult. They were maybe 18. They were trying to form who they were and what they thought about stuff. And there was one guy in particular whose, whose view of God was entirely driven by fear. So he he was incredibly intense and incredibly worried that he would get things wrong and that if he got things wrong that was game over like god would be so um displeased and angry with him that his whole world would fall apart and so his he would kind of almost be walking along this tightrope of can i get life right and if i make a mistake then god is going to be so angry with me that, that I just don't know who I am anymore and I don't know what to do with myself. And he would literally have meltdowns if, if he didn't achieve and didn't do well and didn't succeed. And I remember having to say to him, mate, you need to chill out because the, your view of God is destroying so much of who you are and you're not allowing God to, to love you. You're not allowing God's grace to work in this situation and be able to pick you up when you're down because you're scared of him, because you think you've let him down all the time. So he was so far one way, um, he was almost uh, any of those, the austere general or, or the disappointed headmaster or the detached president, he was falling into those brackets where it was mainly dominated by, by fear. Um, and then I've, I've had other people who are so um, dominated by the fact that all, all God does is just, is just love people and, and, and then they've, they've fallen almost into the pushover parent um, kind of vibe where they've, they've almost taken God's grace for granted. That they've just said, oh yeah, wow, just at the end of the day, nothing really matters, does it? Because we're all covered by God's grace. Which, that, yeah, there's truth in that. But I think our attitude, if we don't get it right, is up for some serious kind of... Um, we, we can seriously manipulate those situations and, and take that stuff for granted. So it's about finding this balance between understanding that God is the lion and the lamb, that is this powerful, um, be it this, this powerful kind of God who, who we need to... Um, we need to have a healthy fear and understanding of he's powerful, he's, he's amazing, he's awesome, he's the kind of God who created the universe. It's, um, it's this, um, this amazing picture, this, this huge being. Um, but then at the same time, he's, he's the lamb, he's, he's our father, he's someone who loves us, he's, he's personal. Um, and it's kind of um, getting, getting that stuff in balance. So when we think about the Bible, this is what's fascinated me over the last few years. Um, when we talk about relating to God in the Bible, it's a really interesting, um, I suppose, path and journey to go on when you start looking at how everyone used to relate to God in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, and to me, I, I, I would often struggle with this stuff because 
people would say phrases like, well, God, he's never changing, is he? He's never changing. And I'd read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and go, he appears to be quite different <laughs> in these bits to in these bits. And, and the thing is, for me, what I began to realise is that I don't think God did change. But what does change is people's perception and understanding of who he is. So when you look at the way the Old Testament works, a lot of that, people weren't relating to God as a father. No one calls him father and all these kind of things. The, the relationship that people seem to have is much more like the detached president. So it's much more like there is this creator who is someone who actually we are meant to be in connection with. And actually, if we can do life well enough, we can we can please him. And if you think about it, it wasn't just God that was looked at like this. It was, it was in those times, it was all of the gods were looked at in those kind of ways. So, so your whole life as a human being was designed to, can you keep the gods that you believe in? Can you keep them happy? Because if you keep the gods happy, your life's going to work well. So that's why all of, all of um, kind of life was built around rituals um, uh, and um, having to do X, Y and Z in order to be right with God. So people would have to do all of these different things, go to quite, quite extreme lengths to make sure that they'd done what they needed to do to clear the way between them and God, that everything was OK and that, yeah, we're good. Me and God, we're good. Um, and as a result, it wasn't particularly a personal relationship. It was this view of um, I'm, I'm just working in my life, my, my actions and my deeds um, and my my commitment and my um consistency all these kind of things all of it works towards my the strength of my relationship with god so the better you were doing all these different things the stronger your relationship with god was and your connection with god was um so it's about aiming to keep him happy keeping the rules keeping him on side and i suppose that was that was what people would feel at the end of the day they would probably assess whether they'd done enough and whether God would still be happy with them. And if he was, then you could sleep easy that night and you could feel okay. Once Jesus comes into the world, everything changes. So with Jesus, we see a whole different way of relating to God. And then the life of Christians post-Jesus is transformed in our connection with God. Because what Jesus does is he begins to invite us into, actually, who is God? If you want to know who God is, you look at me. You see... Um, who God is you understand who God is through looking at the way I work and the the values that I have and and the kind of things I say and the way I treat people so Jesus became the lens from which we can see God um, but also we see his connection with God and um, he introduces this concept that God is our father that God is someone who is interested in us. God is someone who, um, who wants to be connected to us. He wants to relate to us, which was a whole new concept for everyone to understand. That he invited in this, this idea that, that you as an individual matter. It wasn't just about we're all these tiny little beings trying to keep this massive creator happy. This was about you and him. And, and then ultimately Jesus dying on the cross is the greatest sign of of God's commitment and God's, um, God's desire to connect with us is that he would send Jesus onto the world, into the world 
in order to die so that that relationship can always be accessed by you and me. So we're introduced to this whole different nature of God, and care, love, compassion and understanding of a father becomes the reality. He loves us and wants connection and it suddenly becomes something that becomes personal and a relationship that we can uh, connect with. So you can see there's these two different different um, places that, that people come from. Um, and, and, I, and that's why I've often struggled when I've jumped between Old Testament and New Testament. I've had to kind of shake myself and go, OK, this is this is remembering that these people thought God was this. Uh, and actually, that's an important thing we've always got to remember with the Bible. Whenever we read it, um, sometimes we get hung up on on thinking, oh, but, but the Bible says it's so, so that's what we've got to believe. The, the reality is you've got to understand the Bible is written by human beings who wrote it at a time where where people's view and perception and perspective of God was was very much in line with the culture of the day. And as culture evolves and, and people's minds evolve, people's understanding evolve, people's connection with God and, and all that kind of stuff evolve, uh, we can see that it changes over time. And there's not a problem with that. We don't disregard the stuff where people thought differently. We look at it, we, we need to put ourselves in their shoes and say, actually, if you thought God was this, maybe this is why they talked in that way. But actually, what you even see in the Bible when people talk about hypocrisy in the Bible... Sometimes what they're actually describing is the fact that people began to realise that what they used to think wasn't necessarily the case anymore. And that, that, that it wasn't that God had changed, their understanding had changed. And they now saw it differently because of events that have happened and experiences and stories that, that people's thinking had evolved over time. Uh, and actually, that's an important thing. Rather than just getting caught up in, but the Bible, the Bible said it. Well, actually, when you look at it um, as a collective... Uh, of, of kind of people contributing you can see uh, the evolution of thinking and understanding of God taking place I suppose even if our view of a father is skewed by our own experience and is kind of shaped by our own experience um, we need to give God the opportunity to reshape that image so even if we've been hurt by our own earthly father there's an opportunity here to say, actually, well, I can't tar God with the same brush that I've, I've, I've had experience of. I need to understand that there's a chance um, that if I let him, God could restore my understanding of what a father could actually be like. I suppose that, that's where we arrive, where we listen to songs like Good, Good Father. Um, for some people, that's a hard concept to, to get around to thinking about. But, but the reality is, that's the truth, that God is a good, good father. He's so good, they had to use the word twice in the song, um, because once just wasn't good enough. Like, there's lots of good fathers, but there's not many good, good fathers. Um, and I suppose that where I wanted to finish today is, is for us to just consider, what does it look like to actually be not just a good father, but a good, good father. What is it about God that when we look at him, we suddenly realise that actually there is something different? Um, and I suppose when, when we look at as, as individuals on earth, as fathers on earth, as, as men on earth, how do we want to be? These are the kind of things that we want to make sure we are aspiring to be like. Um, so what does it look like to be a good, good father? The positive traits for me, and the, these aren't all of them by any means, um, I was just uh, pulling up a whole list of stuff together. 
And a good, good father is someone who is full of love. Is, is their, their default position is, I love... So in, in, in my uh, life, I would want to be someone who just, first and foremost, loves my kids. Um, and that that's my starting position. Um, and when I look at God, that's who I see. He's someone who is full of love. Uh, and that means so many things. Um, and you'll see that as we go through that. So being full of love actually then means that he's someone who wants the best for you. Um, is someone who will champion you in what you're doing. Uh, that's, his, that's his role, that's his default position. That's where he's coming from, that as he looks at you, um, he, he wants the best for you uh, and he wants to champion you. Um, he's someone who accepts who you are. Who you are is, is, uh, is good enough, even warts and all, mistakes, um, errors, um, bad attitudes, um, or anything that you're going through, struggles, turmoil, God still accepts you and loves you just as you are. Um, and that's the amazing thing uh, about him. Um, but it, it's important to realise that God loves us and accepts us just as we are, but he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us just being who we've always been. That God is someone who then sees the potential in us, wants to encourage us to grow, to develop. So there will be this opportunity in, in, in our relationship with God where we are accepted, we are loved, we are welcomed. And we don't have to hit a standard to be, to be accepted. But he will always be nudging and pushing and saying, actually, hey, you could, you could do this, you could deal with this, you could be stronger, you could be better because of this. And I think about that with my own kids. I want to see them grow. I want to see them develop. I want to see them fulfil their potential. Uh, and because of that, you sometimes have to be prepared to, to advise them and guide them and nudge them and, and, and kind of help, help them to navigate things, which they might not want to go through, but you know that they'll be stronger as a result. Uh, and there's always that room for improvement. And, and I think God is, is committed um, to our, uh, our improvement uh, and wants to encourage us to grow and next one, he always pursues connection. God is not someone who is, is happy to just say, well, hey, um, it's not the kind of dad who lets you get to 18 and then goes, here's 100 quid. It's now you against the world. See how you get on, pushes you out and, and away you go, giving you your independence. He's invested time in, the, in you and now it's just your chance to just go. I think he always wants connection. Um, and, and yeah, that connection might change and might evolve and might be different at different times. It might be really kind of involved at times, but other times be feel like it's a little bit more distant. But for me, he always wants connection and always wants to be able to, um, to be with us. Um, then he's someone who's compassionate and understanding. He can put his, himself in our shoes. Jesus's life on earth wasn't just about um, God coming down to save, uh, to save everyone. It was about um, God being able to, to live a life as a human being and fully understand what uh, human emotions and human experiences are actually like. So the compassion and understanding of God um, it is so apparent in the life of Jesus that we can, we can understand that he can get that. He's someone who's quick to forgive. 
we ask God for forgiveness, then he will forgive us. Uh, He's patient with us. He's kind. Uh, He's fair and he's just. And I think this is a really important one. Um, Understanding that God is just um, is, is really vital for us to understand, especially if we feel hard done to. We need to understand that God gets that and God will. God is always fair and always just. It might not feel like what's going on in front of us is particularly uh, fair and just, but God is a God of justice. Um, and I think sometimes that, that even rears its head where, so I think about it in a parenting term, where sometimes you've, you've got to allow your kids to understand some of the harsh lessons in life in order for them to experience uh, justice. And especially if you've got two kids who are arguing, you love them both equally, but one needs to learn a different lesson from the other because they've overstepped a line or they've done something out of order. Justice is important, not just so that we, as a victim, feel that God understands us, but sometimes when we need a bit of shaping, that we've got to trust that God sometimes will allow us to be shaped and allow us to go through some things in order for us to be better because of it. Uh, and it's really simple to put it into, into those terms when you're talking about your own kids and your own experiences of, of, of how they understand how to relate to each other and how they understand uh, what you should and shouldn't be doing in life. Uh, and then the last two here, God understands the importance of learning through challenges. Uh, and that's why sometimes we can be going through something difficult and we ask those those really impossible to answer questions of God. What are you doing? Why are you allowing me to go through this? Uh, I'm not saying I'm never someone who warrants why we go through these kind of things. That's the big mystery for me. But all I know is is the the positive consequence of navigating a challenge is usually that we're better as a result. If we can cling to God, we're better as a result doesn't mean that we like the outcome or that we're comfortable with what we had to go through um but i know that we can be strengthened through a challenge uh, in a way that we can't possibly be strengthened and and developed through other things and and probably one of the most important things for us to know especially if life is challenging at times is that god will never leave us he's always with us so those are, are some quick traits that I've pulled together to, to understand what does a good, good father actually look like? And what we see is it's, it's taking the best elements of all of those things, those traps we can fall into. Um, that there's a healthy kind of, uh, I, I don't like using the word fear, but it, it's probably the only way of understanding it. There's a, well, a, a real high respect and honour and understanding of the power and the awesomeness of God. But at the same time, we know that he is dedicated, committed, compassionate, loving, caring, interested, um, pursuing us, pursuing connection, wanting us to be better. All of these kind of things. When we throw it all into the mix, we begin to see that actually our view of God needs to be way wider than putting him in one of those boxes. And actually, when we begin to understand that he is all of those things, um, I suppose we get to that um, unhelpful but healthy point of realising that the more we understand about God, the less we understand who he actually is because he's way bigger than we could ever understand or actually imagine. Um, and as, as frustrating as irritating it is that we can't put a label on him, 
it's an important realisation for us to, to get the fact that he's way beyond what we can actually understand or box or label. Um, and as unsettling as that is, I, I actually think that's quite a healthy thing. So to finish with two quick Bible passages, John 3.16, the most famous passage in the world, says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you ever want a reminder of who God is, that's ultimately this, the verse that defines who he is. And then last time we met, we, we read this passage, Romans 8, 35 to 39. And this is important for us to know in our connection with God. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that this is our starting position, um, the reality for all of us. We're a child of God. He's our good, good. Maybe even we had a third one. Good, good, good Father, um, who is dedicated and committed to us. Uh, and I, my prayer for you as you move forward this week and, and ponder some of this stuff is that if you are skewed and you're hurt and bruised by bad experiences or confusion or disappointment or whatever it might be in a father that you get a chance this week to just sit and think about actually the fact that God isn't that person. He's way more. And and actually, what would it look like if I if I fully understood that understood that God is truly for me, uh, and that He loves me and accepts me, and that actually, my what could my life look like if I stand on that foundation that I'm a child of God and that's what He wants for me? So, hopefully, we'll all have a good Father's Day. Let's just pray, Father. We thank you that um, that you are the the one. Um, the one that we can look at to see actually what the best kind of father looks like. And as we try and work out, if we're trying to work out how to father people uh, who we come across, God, I pray that we would look at your example of how do we um, approach and, and accept others and how do we treat them and how do we want to make them feel? How do we support them? Um, and I pray that that for those of us who are maybe sitting wondering which elements of their lives they need to kind of uh, which which element of their their perspective of you they need to be open to reshaping God, I pray that you would nudge those things in each of us that that maybe are, are skewing our perspective of you. And that God, if if we imagine the freedom we'd experience if we fully get that you um, are just the best dad who wants us to um, to flourish in life, I pray that you'd help us to, um, to build that image of you 
um, with real strength in our lives. And, and that if we can be people who function from that place of understanding that you are just committed and dedicated um, to us and that you love us uh, so much, God, I pray that, that we would begin to have that spring in our step and that confidence and that courage uh, to move forward knowing that you are championing us and you're cheering us on. Um, so God, I pray that you would work in each of us this week, um, that we would feel shaped um, and inspired by you um, and that you just give us all a great week ahead. Amen.